been lounging, lounging with Skipper. <laughs> You've been lounging, lounging with Skipper. Yo, 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 what's going on everybody? I want to welcome you all to another episode of Lounging with Skip. Um, I'm sitting up in here right now with a man that, you know, doing his thing, uh, uh, well, you know, he's a family man, father, husband, uh, DJ, frat brother. He goes by the name, well, it's Derek Granberry, a.k.a. Smooth Mellow D. Yeah. Right here in front of me. What's going on, dude? What's the word, baby? Can't come. Long it. time coming. I know, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to let everybody know. So, I ran across um, on his Facebook page, and, you know, my, my podcast is about a person's journey. And he's also from St. Louis. I'm from St. Louis. STL represent. Yes, sir. And and uh, so, he, he was mentioning in his status just about his journey and it made me be like, you know what, this right here is something that I definitely have to talk to him about and to get an actual verbal, um, you know, so- something verbal, something that people can actually hear and hear this man's journey because I found it very interesting and I felt it in my spirit to to, to, to link up with him and to um, have it to where he can express and, and, and state his journey on this podcast. So I welcome you, brother. Thanks for having me, brother. All good. So, St. Louis. Yes, what sir. part of St. Louis you from? Originally from, like, the North Side Blue Mob Project. Oh, wow. Back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, then, you know what I'm saying, once once, once the county started popping in and we start kind of, you know, getting, as a community, black community, start getting good, good jobs. I mean, my parents... Uh, one was a teacher. One worked at Wonder Bread. So if you go to my my uh, social media and my social media platforms, you will notice that I have an abundance of food, especially pastries and sweets. Mm. And I can attribute that to my daddy working at Wonder Bread okay. Hostess. Okay. okay. <laughs> so imagine what them cabinets was looking like back man. in the day. Yeah. So yeah, man. So once once we kind of got on our feet and really start solidifying the household. Family moved us out to North County, Jennings to be exact. Mm, yeah, I grew yeah, up in so, North County also. Yeah, so awesome. that's where I was at. Most of, most of, I mean, yeah, I, we was there. Like, I mean, I was living in Jennings, but went to Riverview Gardens, you know, school district. So when'd you graduate? 1990. 1990. Yep, the year Poison came out. Shout wow. out to BBD. Wow. <laughs> So the year that was your senior, like one of the senior records that was like popping. Yeah, your senior year in high school. Yeah, and I wow. remember so vividly because, um, you know, start my DJ journey probably like getting involved in it when I was like maybe twelve or thirteen. Uh, once I got to high school, I remember specifically like it was a crew called TKO DJs, and they were like these white cats, and they were like super corny to me, you know what I mean? And so like with hip hop coming up later in, you know, in the late 80s, we as a student body was like, man, we getting tired of hearing Jungle Love mm. and and all these, you know. Now where was they playing them, their, this music? This was this was at the school dances. So okay. Homecoming, Sadie Hawkins, Spring Fling, Prom, all that. So by like my junior year, me and my crew, we was like, man, we need to really take this over. So we started politicking and and getting with the student, you know, body leaders first. Um, and then since they were kind of at the house parties, we was DJing anyway, it kind of helped us out. And then so from that, you know, by senior year, like my DJ crew, shouts out Baseline. <laughs> Baseline. We did Review Gardens, like that 90, that 89, 1990 school year, we did all the parties mm. from homecoming all the way to prom. So I remember playing Poison at my senior prom. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So growing up, before you got into DJing at age 12, you were into the music scene back when you were like in grade school? Yeah, for sure. I what think- was your first um, your first uh, uh, influences as a kid that you first heard where you, were, you gravitated towards the music? Well, the music first got me, I would say definitely, I mean, I'm a 70s kid, so definitely um, a lot of the old school um, R&B groups, definitely if the Jacksons and 
and Prince was heavy in my rotation. I just remember still having like um, when Purple Rain came out. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, in '84, I remember having that purple vinyl. And um, like, I think I had it. I had it too. Yeah. I had that the album. Yep. Yeah. Purple, purple Rain. Rain. Yeah. Purple Rain album. I remember. Um, I had the record, and um, I may have been like eight years old, nine years yeah. old, and my my aunt, my mom bought it for me, and my aunt, she told, you know, she's real religious, and so she Uh-oh. told my mom, <laughs> what is he doing with that record? And I remember I went to school and I came home from school one day and the album was gone. Oh. Yeah, and I asked my mom, I said, what happened to the album? She said, well, your Aunt Cherry said that you you don't need to have that album, so I got rid of it. And I never had that album ever since. But, I mean, come on, man. Like, growing up listening to, you know, uh, uh, Darling Nikki. Yeah, man. The the Beautiful Ones. Yeah, man. So that was your beginning influences of hearing those records. Yeah, I think from a point of actually being of starting to kind of grasp on the music. I mean, we're, we're products of what our parents play for us or what's popular music, but when I heard that album, just from a musical standpoint, that was like the first album that I got it. Like I understood what it was. And so from that, it just kind of led me on this journey of, you know, eventually finding hip-hop, you know, and then from that, anything that... What was your first hip-hop record you... The first, I mean, the, you know, the first hip-hop record was definitely uh, <laughs> Rapper's Delight. That's the first one that you heard. That you yeah, heard. and I just remember riding in the car with my mom and uh, it being on the radio and me just going bar for bar, just hitting every line, and she was like, boy, if you if you knew them books the way you knew this song, you be, yeah. <laughs> you grew up to be, fa- you know, real, real famous one day. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like my earliest memories, but from that, you what, know, what was the first uh, rap album that you had? You Run DMC. Which one? Um, Raising Hell? Nah, the one, actually, it was a, um, it was before the album, it was, um, King of Rock. Nah, it was before King of Rock, whatever the album, the first album was Run DMC, but I, they released a, um, a single. Uh, here we go, here we go. Okay. So it was like a, a from a live performance, like live in Hollis or so. I can't remember the name of it right now, but that was the first Run DMC record I bought. And first from, record, first rap record, that hip hop yeah, record that you Yeah, had. so it was actually a single, and then from that, you know, just any anything that was hot at the time, from the Fat Boys to which Fat Boys album did you have? I had the uh, Fat Boys is back. Fat boys, the are fat boys are back. back. Yeah, and I remember I remember being a kid because I was really into like, well, what is this? And I would read the back, and it would be like produced by Curtis Blow, and mm-hmm. recorded at Ten Pan Apple yeah. Studios, and 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 you know this was around the time when Crush Groove came out. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And I was just like, you know, this this is crazy. It's dope. You know what I mean? This, right. What is this? This new. The sound that I can relate to when I was a kid, I was eight, nine years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Listening to um, The Art of Noise. You know, as, as a kid, for me, growing up listening to that kind of music, kids used to laugh at me. Like, it's no words. Right. But I was just somewhat, you know, and the reason why I'm speaking like this to you right now is because this deals with vinyl. This deals with, you know, you're a DJ. You This is what, so you understand the aspect of, vinyl and, and getting these records like I was listening to Paul Hardcastle you know man. he had the song 19 man the song King Tut yeah yeah Rainforest right I was bumping all that yeah you know what I mean? so and that's pretty interesting because a lot of what when you think about where music is now with EDM it still all goes back to what they were doing in the early stages of yeah. hip-hop yeah so I got one for you so with me like I said Run DMC was my first albums that I bought but what really got me into making music, mm. Mantronics. Mm. Because at the time, like pretty much half of the album was just straight beats and him chopping it up. So remind like, me of what Mantronics. The first, the first joint, me. the first joint that they came out with was uh, "Fresh Is the Word." Okay. So I. To let you know how much he influenced what I was doing. So the name of the group was called Mantronics. Mm. But the DJ slash producer of the group was Curtis Mantronic. Mm. Who went on to do a lot of the early techno stuff. Mm. 
So for me, the like I said, that first song was Fresh as the Word. So his MC at the time was MCT. Okay. When I first started doing music, my name was MCD, mm, okay. which kind of the story kind of formed it to where, where the smooth and the mellow came from later is a total separate story. But I'll tell you the name of my DJ crew was called Baseline. Mm. We were the Baseline Boys, and that name came from the next Mantronic single called Baseline. Okay. So I was so entrenched in what he was doing at the mm. time that it really defined me going into music as far as creating it from an MC standpoint at the time, as well as starting to make beats. Yeah. You yeah. know Interesting about that also, it, may, it just kind of popped in my head, um, you know, going back to like 82 when mm. uh, Herbie Hancock came out mm. with Rocket, and it was like, that kind of that kind of let you know that even he himself knew where music was about to transition yeah. into coming from the, His dis- background. the disco era, yeah. and he comes from the jazz right. era, so him... And as a kid, hearing that, I didn't know anything about Herbie Hancock from before. All I remember mm-hmm. was seeing Herbie Hancock as Rocket. Yeah. And, you know, you know, uh, that was around the time when, you know, Michael Jackson came out with Thriller and, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and even before uh, Marvin Gaye passed, when he came out with, uh, not even Sexual Healing, but um, he had a song called Sanctify Lady. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and that that was him trying to fit in with modernized yeah. sound of but it was all kind of stemming on some hip hop. Yeah. If you really go back and, and listen to that stuff. Um it's interesting, man. The eighties was so pivotal pivotal for, you know, folks of our age as far as like in in hip hop and you know it you know these kind of conversations can only be talked about with real music heads to understand right. Music. What you know about um, uh, 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 Tour de France? That that numbers. When, numbers. Craftwork. Yeah. Got it in, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, they got so many classics. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that. And that. So I, I say that to speak on. For me, like you just said, with you, the beginnings of production. Right. In your head, you were already beginning production, but in my mind, I was already listening to like. I noticed the same type of drums that were being used on like Tour de France and um, whatchamacallit, like uh, uh, 19 and Rainforest right, from right. Paul Hardcastle. And um, so, which, which which brings me to a point of what drum machine were you using at that time <laughs> to what, you know, where you started making your music? Um, and this is a dope, a dope piece of the puzzle is kind of being ahead of the curve. Um, I started, um, it was before I got to high school, I had my best friend, um, was in the band at Riverview Gardens and our, um, and the band teacher leader, um, was forward thinking in the process of integrating electronic music into the band. Like when we had the marching band, we had like a little... Yamaha keyboard. Uh, he had like a Korg beat machine. I forgot the name of it. It was two. One was like a, a K1 that was more drum sounds and another one was more percussion, just strictly percussion sounds. Mm. So getting exposed to that even before I got to high school, I already was thinking. So I found uh, a friend that that was into music and was selling that. So that was the first one I got. I can't remember. It was a Korg, I think K1, but then... When I really started, get, no, I'll take it back even further, just from a consumer standpoint of, my, you remember the Synsonic drums? Sounds real. Familiar. It was like a four, a four pad, drum unit that you use with drumsticks. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was yeah. bass, snare, yeah. hi hat. Yeah. So that was, in essence, that yeah. was the first drum uh, machine uh, I got. Uh, yeah. Okay. But yeah. once I really got into, you know, doing music like with forming a rap group and doing music. It was the Yamaha. It was the, it was what MC Hammer used, the Yamaha RX Seven. Okay. And that's like all of my early stuff, like through high school, has. So it had them drums from the. I am Hammer. Yeah, same drums. They put me in the mix. And that was one of the first ones I figured out how to how to bend that that kick. It wasn't even a kick drum. It was a tom tom. Mm. 
but I was able to bend it and stretch it out to have that kind of 808 feel to it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, okay, so age 12, you got into doing this in, in, in production, and um, were you all recording, or you were just... Uh, yeah, man, we had we had a few uh, recording situations. Now, around that time, was this around the time of of uh, coming soon? Was because uh, uh, okay, so in high school you graduated and then you went to college. Yep. What college did you go to? Uh, Central Missouri State. Central like, Missouri yeah. State. Warrensburg, Warrensburg, Missouri. Warrensburg, Missouri. Yeah. Wow. I've been. I went to Central Missouri State one time. Went out there to visit a homeboy. Um, what was that experience like? Oh uh, man, I forgot, man. I was I was high, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was sometime. There was a lot of that going yeah, on on campus. It was sometime like fall '95. Yeah, we had went up there. For, we had uh, we had road trip from uh, from Lincoln and went up there, went there or whatever, and kicked it for a couple nights. You know, yeah. what I mean? went to some parties. It was a fun time. You know what I mean? Um, so you graduated, went there, graduated. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Um, were you doing music in college? Um, yeah, I wound up doing it in college because, like, from high school, you know, as much as I was into it, uh, I was with a group of cats um, that I wound up doing production for who wound up getting a potential deal through Arista. So I did, like, a lot of beats for them on that, but they wound up getting passed last minute. So off of that kind of letdown... In addition to my parents saying like, um, this music stuff is cool, but why don't you go to college and like get a real career? Right. <laughs> so I just remember selling like a lot of my equipment from the turntables to records, drum machines, all that stuff. And then going to college really to find out what my future was. Mm. And then literally about two to three weeks into college, I realized that uh, there are a lot of parties and a lot of money to be made. Mm -hmm. So from that, I picked the DJing back up and then with hip hop being such an emerging platform, there was just so many cats that was trying to rap and do stuff. So I wound up kind of loosely, not really having direction with, oh, this is a crew or whatever, but I would just, for fun, just kind of start making beats again and stuff like that. And then- and DJing parties. And yeah, stuff. and DJing parties, that became my main focus in college. Yeah. Yeah. So, were you like DJing like Kappa parties before you before you was a member? Um, no, because our line was the first line <laughs> back on yard. Really? Yeah. So when when I got down there, it was it was like all the house parties. It was like the cubes. They mm. they had like the dope house parties, mm. and but they really didn't have a DJ DJ. So once we got back on campus, it was a leg up because not only did we come on and get a big Kappa house. Then you had an in-house DJ. Wow. We just directed all that traffic. For so, real? Yeah. We, <laughs> we got it in. For real? For sure. So after you graduated from college, then what happened? Uh, so in the process. And, and what what'd you get your degree in? Uh, my degree was in computer information systems. Computer information so systems. Emphasis pretty much. It's a, a business business degree, but with the emphasis in computer uh, programming. Okay. So what wound up happening is, like I said, I was I wound up working with a bunch of different cats. Out of high school, one of my cats uh, was, was originally from LA, so he was like, yo, I'm going back to LA, I got some connections. Like, yo, when, when I make it, I want you to be my DJ. And I'm like, cool, but like right now, I'm about to go do this college thing. So whenever you get the, the situation straight, holler at me. So literally, my uh, senior year, he gave me the call, and I kind of knew, we, we had been back and forth, so it wasn't out of the blue, but he told me that um, everything had finally kind of panned out, and they got signed to a deal, and he wanted to know that the offer was still on the table. Senior in college. My senior in college. Mm -hmm. So um, I said, when the contracts are signed, <laughs> let me know. Mm -hmm. So in that whole in-between time, I moved back to St. Louis. Graduated. Graduated, had a job um, doing computer up. programming. Okay. Maybe like eight months into the job, he sent the contracts to me. Mm. Like, so what you gonna do? And so I made one of those pivotal decisions to be like, you know, if I stay here another year, mm. I'm gonna be stuck in St. Louis. Mm. So at the time it was kind of cool because we had a lot of emerging 
artists coming up. You know, I remember yeah, what Silk Smooth, Silk Smooth had put his thing down. JCD uh, in the dark, Early man. D, Early D, oh, Dangerous D, all those cats. Oh, so it was really starting shit. to build up at that time. Hey, who was a dude? Um, who's like went to the fish house to get some fish. That was, uh, <laughs> oh, that, that, uh, that was Early D, Early D. Yeah, yeah that was my. That's uh. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, hey, I forgot. I was on the compilation with 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 that group I was talking about. Man, that was my time. joint back in the day. Went to the fish house to get, get some, some fish. fish. <laughs> hey, the simplicity of it, man, was was the beauty of it. Yeah, so, yeah, man. So once he, it's a music video on on YouTube. Oh, I need to that. find yeah, that. Yeah, on YouTube of that. Yeah. Um. So once he sent the contract back, I'm like, I'm good. But you know, and it was a little bittersweet because I had finally started to build my name in the St. Louis streets. I was- What was you doing? Um, pretty much just run up after a lot of the cats that were doing the club. You know Cool Odie? You know Cool, I, I know of him, but mm-hmm. I was like, I was that next breed up under them. So it was DJ Cut, it was uh, Charlie Chan Soprano. Oh yeah, Charlie Chan. You know, and so I was in the streets with the cats like DJ AJ, DJ mm-hmm. Standerman. Man. Mm-hmm. Like those were my guys who, we were kind of like the young guns in the streets doing okay, it, okay, you know, okay. uh, voodoo, okay. chaos, man. Okay. I got to shout out Big Chaos, man, mm. because moving to L.A., he kind of gave me the, the the speech that I needed to hear mm. to go. So, yeah, so I what picked... What was something, like, something that stood out to you that he told you? Man, he just told me, like, you know... Was this before the... Uh... The whatchamacallit, what what was the name of that group? The the Oh, uh the whole nine? Yeah, was it Yeah, he wasn't even doing he wasn't even doing music then. Okay. What he knew was that he had done radio for for a while and had made some good contacts. Mm-hmm. Uh the cats, I don't remember what their name is, but you know who the Goodfellas are, right? I think so. The Goodfellas at the time when I moved out in ninety eight, they were like one of the hottest they had one of the hottest radio shows on Power One O Six in Los Angeles. Okay. Romeo and DJ from St. Louis. Mm. Uh, they, I think, started out as an R&B group back in the day. Um, I don't know how they got off in the radio, but I knew, he told me, he was like, man, when you get out there, like, find these cats the Goodfellas. Because once you see them, you know that they came from here and made it, so you can make it too. And I just kind of took that philosophy when I got out here. Um, and I, I never really met them till like, later in the process, but it was... It, he made it make sense to me. Mm-hmm. They came from the crib and make it so you can make it too. Right. And that was kind of like my my whole method behind my and what year was when this? I got here. That was 1998. 1998. Yep. All right. So you came out here. You was you got on as a DJ for this artist. Yeah. So what happened with that whole situation? Now, was, did you drive out here or did you catch a flight? Um. Initially, I caught a flight. Because it's just me, like I'm very, I'm very organized and methodical to my approach to anything. So my whole, my catch all was, I know what he been talking to me and telling me about on the phone. You know, we didn't have email back then. Yeah. Like you didn't have internet so you could put up a page and see all that. Yeah. So in a sense, I was still rolling the dice. It was one of my good cats from, from back in the day, but you know, you just never right, know. Right, because it wasn't on Instagram where you like, well, it looked like he's popping. Yeah, you never know. So it's like, I just um, said I'm coming out, I'm gonna fly out, see what it is, and then if everything checks out, um, I'm gonna go, go back home and get all my stuff and come out. So okay. when I came out, things were still kinda in process at the time, but long story short, uh, Everything, the deal and everything we had in place just pretty much fell flat and they wound up releasing us. So mm-hmm. I went from being a fresh college graduate looking mm-hmm. at a prosperous career in computer programming to at one point being homeless on the streets of Long Beach, just roaming around trying to figure it out. You was in a car or you wasn't in a nah, car? No, I had no car. So you was just kind of going from house to house? Yeah, like he had a crib and that got shady because... He, now, this is where I say, he said, oh, yeah, I got something for, for you to stay, but he didn't have nowhere for me to stay. But I wound up staying with him and his pregnant girlfriend. Mm. That created a rift in the house, so they wound up kick, um, he wound up having to kick me out. Yeah. So from that, then I kind of, you know, roamed around. I found, like, a little, roach, like I said, roach motel, like, a for real roach motel. Like, I slept with the lights on. 
type of Roach Motel. So how long how long was this going on after you moved? That out? was probably like once once I finally found a hotel because I mean the other side of the game was what he was doing to maintain himself at that time was not of the legal nature. Right. So I wound up uh, pretty much being inside of establishments that had police surveillance um, and a bunch of traffic running in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where I was like, man, I, I, I had like a new credit card I got from like being, you know, fresh college graduate. Yeah. You know, they're trying to give you credit yeah. and mess yeah. your credit up. Yeah. So I went from that. I was like, I got this money on this credit card. I'm going to leave enough on it. My escape route, if I have to mm. catch a flight to go back home and I'm done. And I went and stayed in this hotel, man. For That, that covered me in the Roach Motel for like two weeks. What did? the uh, credit That card. credit card. So you spent it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in that two weeks, it was just, it was a gut check. Like, what you going to do? Now, um, how long, how long was it basically after you already moved out of here and now you're in this position? That like, was three months. Three months. Yeah. Wow. So my, my game plan was if I, I said, I already quit my job. Yeah. So whatever I do now, I'm starting fresh. So if I'm in California, smell. I got to start fresh in California. Yeah, yeah. Because if I go back home and start fresh, I gave up. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's how it was for me when I came out. Yeah, it's like. You here now? You here. It's like, what's the point of going back to start over on that? Like, yeah, now right. then folks looking at you like, man, what happened, man? I thought <laughs> you was gone. Right. You know, not me. You ain't yeah. going to call me failure. You know partner. what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. you just stayed out. You know what I mean? That's how it was with me. Living with my cousin for like a couple Dang. months, sleeping on the couch, and then like the landlord was tripping, like, and so she kicked me out. And so I'm sleeping in my car for like Dang. a week. You feel me? And and I and just to be able to go from that to, you know, uh end up going and, and moving into this uh this hotel. It was like a place where you can like you know, rent a room, but you pay weekly. Mm-hmm. And that was like a roach motel. We all I mean, been there, bro. You know what I'm saying? Where it was eight, it, it was like around, around now, like around this time, um, eight years ago. Again, again, for me this time, 20 years ago. You know what I mean? So maybe this is like moving season. It is. Well, March. March. March is because, of, but then the whole thing occurs with, okay, damn, now what am I going to do around yeah. like now? And in the valley, you know, it's extra hot. So this place yeah. had no AC. I, I was taking cold showers. You know what I mean? I was taking cold showers. Yeah. And it was so hot that I'm sleeping at night with the fan on, blowing hot air, and laying my head on the pillow, and I'm sweating, and my pillow is wet. Wow. I'm sweating. That went on for about a month and a half, two months. Yeah, man. So I say that to say, for those that are, you know, have this, 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 uh, Mission, this journey of you know transitioning to another city, you know, and we're speaking on transitioning from wherever you are to move to LA. Yeah, you know, sometimes you everything ain't gonna be you know glitters and gold, and you know the the, the road just being paved the way you want it to be. Sometimes it's gonna be the the bumps in the road and the, the jagged edges that that's probably gonna cut your feet mm-hmm. as you're walking through, but. You know, if you have that determination and that ambition to say, you know what, I ain't going back. I'm not budge, but uh, 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 budging, and I'm gonna basically handle this, and you know, start. And and honestly, when going through that stage, you be, you kind of become more one with you and God, mm. because now it's a it's a test on your faith. Indeed. You know what I mean? On what God is providing for you. So then, what happens? So you're like, okay, you know what? Let me start over. So now what? Yeah, man. So I um, I made the decision to um, stick it out. So like I said, uh, it was a it was a soft move, and the rest of my stuff, like as far as like all my records and all all the tools of the trade that I was gonna really need if I was gonna stick it out, were back back at home still, packed up and ready to go. Uh, so just with God moving in the, in the midst of the chaos. Um, I had a friend that was moving out here with her like best friend. And so they were like, yo, we got a deal for you. You can ride back with us 
and bring all your stuff on our truck if you just help us drive. And you can post up with us for a while till you get on your feet. Mm. So I'm like, blessing. I mean, uh, the blessing wind up uh, leading to another homeless situation because once I got out, uh, I found I did get like a job doing security up at KTLA, up all on a on Sunset and Bronson. My first job, I was like Otis, the flashlight cop. Mm. But it was my first job yeah. bringing and in you were income. Happy. And you were happy. Yeah, because I was here. I felt yeah. like yeah. I was now ready to transition mm. and start laying a foundation for my future. And the dope thing about LA in general is. We come a dime a dozen, so everybody that moves out here to do something are kind of going through some sort of variation of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So up in that security booth, between like three or four of us, one of them, one of them was a musician, had a song on a sound on on for one of uh, John Singleton's movies. Mm -hmm. Another cat sang, so it was like kind of letting you know that you're not alone in this struggle. Mm -hmm. And we would just kind of motivate each other. And so that kind of is what got things going for me as far as really putting those wheels in motion. And, you know, I think after a while, you know, since the wheels in motion did not roll as fast as my uh, roommates would have liked me to do, mm -hmm. uh, they wound up saying like, look, bruh. The girls. We, yeah, we gave you a couple months. Uh, we kind of want our space back. So you gotta go. <laughs> so it's put myself back down in Long Beach with my partner, um, and we just you know we just thugged it out together for a while, literally. <laughs> and sooner or later, um, the decision that really changed. Now during this period, what kept you grounded to where you? What kept you focused on something? So what? Because in situations like that, if you're not focused on something in particular, you'd be like, you know what, I'm out. Yeah, it was, it was the art. Okay. It was the art form. It was the fact that by putting me back in Long Beach with my friend, making music again, that was my drug. That was my, my drink at the end of the night. It was my release. It, this is what I was here to do. So even though I was struggling, I was able to do what I came out here to do. Right. And so... You know, that was what got me through. Right. And so in the meantime, I did that. I still had, um, I mean, the, the moment that changed my life because I that starving artist thing ran its course and I'm like, I gotta do something. Yeah. Like this security job is cool, but I can't live off yeah, of it. Yeah. And then uh, one of my friends, luckily I, that moved out here from uh, St. Louis, who I also went to college with, she was like, yo, I'm gonna come scoop you up. Um, one, of your, one of your frat brothers is having like a birthday party, it'll just be good to just get you out. And you never, the house. Met, you never met him before, you just was like. No, I, 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 no, I knew him, like he, he actually, he, he's from um, UF chapter, Southwest, so they saw us when he was online. Okay. So I knew he was out here, but for those who don't know, LA is just a huge city, and yeah. so for somebody who definitely is not all the way on their feet, yeah. can travel how they want to travel, like I hadn't caught up to him yet. Right. So going out to his party and seeing him, I wind up running into a friend, um, I mean, who's more than a friend to me now. She went to high school with me, didn't really know me, but knew the name Granberry because my brother was kind of a star athlete there. So all she knew was like, okay, you from St. Louis, you trying to do music entertainment, I may have a plug for you. Where do you, what are you doing now? Are you working? Not really, I got a security job. She asked me what my background was in. She, I said computers. I may have a lead for you on a job. And you DJ, I may have a lead for you to do some events for me because I promote different events for different companies and liquor brands. So Jolena Johnson, is my LA angel for real because without her after that like when I moved out in 98 after about like fall 98 I would have been gone if I had not run into her at that party I would have been gone mm. yeah so going to frat brothers party if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for that then you would have been about I would have been about so after you linked up with her, what happened to where 
towards things begin to look up? So from everything kind of starts from financial situations right. and because you, you gotta be and and a financial. place to lay your head. Right. So have those two things. Now I was on the couch. So the dope thing about uh, where she found me to live, it was one of her friends. It was a group of her friends that were all kind of Midwest based originally. Uh, it was four. It was a four bedroom apartment, and they had a couch. Everybody that stayed in that apartment started out on the couch, <laughs> but. Whoever was there before wind up either getting a better job, getting casted on a movie, blah, blah, blah. So that person would upgrade their situation, move out. The person from the couch would move into one of the rooms. Mm. So it was the same situation. There was two of them from Kansas City. One cat was from St. Louis and the other cat was from Chicago. Mm. He was a comedian. Uh, his name was Chip. So her friend... She was friends with the guy from St. Louis. Well, she was friends with them all, but uh, she was like my friend Chip. He does comedy, but he also works for this company that does something with computers and they're hiring. So I'm connecting you with him, not only for a potential job, but the couch is yours too. So I wind up on the couch. I wind up getting my first job in kind of related into the career path that I'm on now, which is um, doing legal graphics work for attorneys. Mm. So uh, for, for me, I always felt like I came out and did the starving artist thing and it ran its course. So if I'm pursuing my dreams at this point, I, it's a double hustle from here on out. Yeah. So from that, I started off, you know, in that career, in the computer career, but having those connections with the people in the house that I stayed in and the girl Jolena who kind of connected all the dots for me she started getting me gigs working with her um, doing these liquor brand promotions um, which led me to get my first club gig which led me to getting connected with pretty much my DJ mentor who kind of took me under his wing man and he was doing a, a lot of events from uh, event spite sponsored by Nike, Adidas. Uh, he was doing stuff with the NAACP. So like some real big industry related events. So like from that moment of getting into that situation of staying on that couch, things just start rolling. You know, I mean, I got my my I call it my double hustle, my daytime career and my night and my nightlife career. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like you know, moving out here. You definitely have to have some. You gotta have few things um what's them call it Blair Underwood he told me he said mm. he said it's good to have seven or more income streams if you have seven or more wow. income streams of something coming in and if one or two of those things aren't moving at least you have other things kind of coming in oh, that's great I've never heard like seven seven it makes sense you know, just numerous things. And so, like, with me, like, you know, moving out here, it was like, I'm just on the music. I need to get on the music. <laughs> and, of course, that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, you know, it, it, it led me to, you know, bring my barbering mm. out here. But even moving out here as a barber, I wasn't able to cut in a barbershop yet, like, legally, because my barber's license wasn't able to transfer for Got another it. year. So I ended up working at Walgreens. Mm. And um, so I was at Walgreens for a year, you know. Jason, we need to clean up on aisle three. And, yeah. You know man. what I mean? I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm like, this isn't not, This isn't what I want to do at all. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? I'm, I have these songs playing on the radio in St. Louis. And here mm. I am in, in the back of Walgreens stocking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um but I say that to say I was eventually I was able to work into a shop and just kind of start from the ground up out here, brand new. Um, while that was paying my bills, um, working at Walgreens and being a barber, I was still doing my music at night when I got home mm. just to be able to kind of, like you said, as that outlet, that, uh, what'd you say? That, that um, escape escapism yeah, from your daily grind of what exactly. you was trying to do. It's therapy. Yeah, it was therapy for me to stay grounded in what I came out here to do. And 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 while I was, um, you know, being a barber as well. But I say that to say now, like I was telling you the other other day, 
you know, you take that music and kind of have it work for you, mm-hmm. even if it's just a little bit when it comes to, you know, the monetization, the royalties, the licensing, the, the you know what I'm saying, all that type of stuff, have that material work for you versus just, you know, sitting and still have your day job right. that's bringing in, that's paying the bills and everything. So in the midst of all that, you being out here, I mean, you know, look up now, you know, you're married, you got, you know what I'm saying, uh, 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 you got a family, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so looking back on everything, do you do you look at it as everything was meant to happen, that it, the way that it did, was oh, led yeah. you to where you are right now? Without a doubt, without a doubt, because I think, um, just from a basic standpoint, my goals of coming to LA and the type of things I wanted to do as far as the type of events, DJ at the hottest. I mean, really my short short list was, I want to come to LA, do music, DJ at the hottest clubs, Playboy Mansion, mm. and make millions of dollars. Besides making millions of dollars, you like my short list, boom, like two and three times over. So it's like, I really couldn't, couldn't be mad at the level of success that I did have, even though there's there was that grind in me to want to be way bigger in my head. But like honestly, just kind of being in it, I realized that I didn't want to deal with what all came with being famous right. and in that whole lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So really. I found a lane that was comfortable for me to balance both sides, and and that's what yeah. and, and that's what success is all about. A lot of times, I believe that success isn't always about being so financially wealthy and rich, because with that comes a lot more responsibility. Um, I believe that success is when you find a balance mm-hmm. between what it is you enjoy and love doing. Yeah, in a world where you still have the freedom to be able to escalate to the next level at any given point. You know, at least out here, something could happen still to this day that can change your life for the mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Than what it is now. Whereas in St. Louis, you will kind of be just limited to what it is you're on, yep. and that's it. And that's, in all honesty, that's the motivation in me that keeps me grounded out here because I found that space that balances me as a man and where I am in my life. But I know that at any given point, something could happen positive that can change my life financially being out here with the connections and the people that you constantly are meeting. Because everybody who has been out here, who is out here, has some type of determination and motivation in what it is that they're doing in the entertainment industry. Yeah, I mean... You know what I mean? Like, it's just a blessing that you're able to still have the opportunity to DJ parties. Right. You feel me? The fact... Now, now tell me about the radio station. What do you do? Yeah, so it kind of started again from, you know, getting involved, doing different events, kind of moving up in the ranks, DJ ranks in L.A., um... I got an opportunity in the mid 2000s to work. For those who don't know, LA, um, the local there's a local uh, African American owned station by Stevie Wonder called KJLH 102.3. That's in uh, Inglewood. Right? In Inglewood, right. yeah. So I had a buddy of mine who I was working with that um, knew a guy who was doing the Saturday night show there, and at the time um, they were really doing something that before it really became a radio format was more of the 80s, 90s, more hip-hop-driven radio format. So what they were doing at the time wasn't even a radio format now. Now they actually have a format that's on different stations and different platforms. So I got an opportunity to come in there in the mid-2000s and not only to kind of delve into that format, but I was also responsible for breaking new music as well. I had a, a segment called The New School mix and so in the mid 2000s and from west coast standpoint there was a large growing in the hyphy movement out of the bay and from that movement began to trickle down into la 
da a dance scene that was called the Jerk Movement. Mm -hmm. So with those two scenes kind of emerging, um, I was kind of, especially on LA radio, um, I was kind of the guy who was feeding it to the air, the radio waves. It was already going in the club. It was already going, you know, in the communities, but nobody was really bringing you the hot music off fresh off the press like I was. So just kind of having that uh, time, what we saw happen in a few years later, once those teenage kids grew up to be young adults, then you had this whole ratchet movement coming out. So then you saw DJ Mustard, YG, all those guys started from the jerking movement back in the day. I mean, shouts out Impact Record Pool, one of the most legendary record pools in the game, rest in peace, foot. Um, that I watched through that record pool, I watched all these emerging forms come together. Watching these cats start, I remember Mustard playing his first beats during the meetings. I saw him and the Bay Cats connected and created this whole new sound out of LA that is like probably like the leading music of commercial music that's out now. So from that and just witnessing that and being able to bring it to the airwaves, being able to hear early Kendrick Lamar before it hit the airwaves, having conversations with J-Rock, you know, uh, about, you know, coming up to the station and doing all that stuff. But where it backfired on us as a show was if you're in L.A., you know that it's more an R&B driven station. Right. So we came in on Saturday nights and did what we did for four hours. But once we went from 8 to 12, at 12.01, it became 24 hours of gospel. Mm. So we were kind of treated like the stepchildren of the station even though we had like the number one ratings in our time sleep, slot. You all did Saturday night? Yeah, it was okay. called a Saturday night mix down. So then at one o'clock, it was Sunday morning. So yeah, now. no, 12.01, gospel. And shouts out to LV, who still to this day has the hottest gospel mix show ever. You don't, you're definitely not listening to your know, traditional gospel music. But yeah, man, so after that kind of ran its course, um, and not really being able to get the backing behind the station that we would like, um, we turned to the internet. Yeah, we, we turned it to the internet at, at, the, at, the, at that point, which was an emerging platform as well. Right. What year was this? Uh, this was 2000. Really, we got it first started in 2009. Mm. And so from that, we were doing like a lot of the stations. We would record them up at KJLH, and we had a whole visual element. And we were just trying to be like pretty much like what the Breakfast Club became. Mm. You know, I mean, it's a different concept in some ways, but what they were doing, we were trying to integrate that multimedia streams from not just being on radio, but to also be eventually on TV as well. So uh, we just kind of did it as a release from being pigeon held at KJLH to just really figuring out like, yo, this is the way of the future. And so we've been running with that platform ever since. Hmm. So it's been there since 2009, yep. the past eight years, no, nine years. Yeah. Hmm. So have you noticed an increase in listeners and everything? I mean, it, it, I mean that was nine years ago. The internet and social media, everything has greatly in, in, in you know, expanded right. since then. I mean, it's kind of a... Because um, I've seen that you all have had, like, what, Willie D up there. And, yeah, the, the focus of our show really is, is paying tribute. It's more when you think about, like, what the... Uh, what Drink Champs does as far as their guests, mm -hmm. honoring the legends in the game mm -hmm. while they're still here. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nori says it all the time, like in the culture of hip hop, it's not really built, it's not really set up that way. We're always built to just go back and forth. Who's the dopest? It's, it's set up on a debate of who's the dopest and cats proving how dope they are. But we felt, because we didn't just limit it to hip hop, we felt as far as, Actors, actresses, yeah. R&B artists. Yeah. Um, we just wanted to reflect on our current day legends. I mean, because we we worked under Stevie Wonder. Like I, I've DJ parties for his daughter. Yeah. Like he would come hang out some Saturdays with us in some hole in the wall club just to come hang out and be out. Yeah. So it's like from that, like after you like work, you know, next to a living legend, yeah. it just it's kind of like you can't say. You can't talk to anybody and say nothing bad about Stevie. Mm -hmm. He's a living legend. But 
we come from the hip hop generation and we have legendary people from our generation as well who are still here. So it's really us really trying to give their roses to them while they're here. Yeah. And that's the main focus of our show. Dope, dope, dope. So when people get their music played there on the station, is that, I mean, like, does that pick up as far as, like, uh, for, you know, getting paid off royalties and things like that? That's the thing about the... um, Internet. The internet, it's still kind of the wild, wild west. So the the major platform we're on is Dash Radio. Okay. And so with them, I know that there's some sort of tracking system that that's being used with them because they're trying to move to the to the uh, degree where their numbers count like other BD, whatever right. like the old BDS system right. used to be, right. whatever that new system is. They've been working for the past few years to get those type of uh, ratings on their station. Mm-hmm. So like once that hits, I mean, I'm sure like getting music played on there will equate to just the same as getting it streamed on iHeartRadio. Yeah. yeah, so that's why the good thing being with Dash Radio right now is 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 the best thing about what we're doing. But to answer your question earlier about how it's becoming a emerging platform, the downside to technology, and that's across the board with anything, is technology makes things easier. Right, easier to more easier to get a hold of, and sometimes right. people don't want to basically listen to the radio to wait on a song. Right. Now, if they're basically, you know, maybe wanting to hear, um, you know, everybody wants it on demand now. They want it when they yeah, want it. Yeah. Like right now, listening to this podcast, people will press play because they want to listen to this. This right. isn't, you know, forced down anybody's throat. We don't to have to be to. listening at a specific time. Right, right. We can stop and go whenever we right. want to do it. Right, right. Um, you know, and that's why I believe. You know, podcasting is a good platform uh, because sometimes in radio, you know, once again, unless the radio format is put like in a podcast type of format, mm-hmm. so that way people can listen when they want to listen. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's what's starting to happen, I think, with a lot of, of the bigger uh, platforms. But then you have to have licensing. Yeah. You have to have a license fee, a sync license. My bad, sync license for that. Because now the music that you're playing exactly. has to be compensated for that way the artist can get paid. But even if you look at, um, like, with the Breakfast Club as an example, when they're on TV on Revolt and when they air on uh, YouTube, they chop out the music segments. Right. So they don't have to deal with that. So, right. like, for somebody like us, it would be, you know the most logical thing to do for us but you know when it comes to technology everything falls on me so I can say that I probably do not have that uh, time factor mm. to go back and chop up shows every weekend I mean at one point at a, a previous station we were at we we had somebody to do it for us so hey anybody out there uh, <laughs> interested in the internship with the AM Caffeine show mm. hit us up at AM Caffeine show you see what we about. You see how we get down. So Shit, that may be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really easy work, brother. You can do it in your sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because like for instance, with with this podcast, the music that's you know that's playing right now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all me. I mean, you hey, know what I'm so that's what it's about. You know, Keep it in house. Yeah. Versus you know me trying to get other people's music because I was also thinking about turning this podcast into a radio format yeah being able to play music and I mean I still might turn it that way but just play independent artists but what you're speaking on is kind of um and just from a DJ standpoint whereas the world of the DJ is now different because of technology is because of what you just said people want to hear stuff when they want to hear it right so the fact that whoever's listening now like DJs used to be the gate gatekeepers right. for music. We're right. not the gatekeepers anymore because whenever you want to hear something, right. you can go to Spotify, you can go to YouTube, right. you can hear whatever you want right when now. you want to hear it. Right. So if somebody's listening to your podcast, mm. they're listening because of you. Right. They don't really care about the music as much. I mm. think that's why and this is just me like sharing game with anybody that's out there that's looking to do any of this. Mm. Is that something recently that I've discovered? People listen to podcasts because they want to hear the content, mm. not the music. Mm. Mm. 
true that. Unless you're a DJ that has a following for the music specifically, and you're doing something special that everybody wants to hear, then they whatever song you're playing, they can get. So if you're not doing a skip remix or blah, blah, blah. So that's why for you, it definitely fits into the format mm. of what you're trying to do for you and maybe even for the independent artists because there is always people looking for new music and there's always people artists there wanting to get their that music want to get heard. their music yeah right so that's why even with the am caffeine show now at the end of each uh friday show we have a segment called smooth d's donut taking it back to what i was mentioning earlier with the sweets and the pastries <laughs> so but our the format of our show is based around the whole am breakfast it's a morning show mm. So the segment Smooth D's Donut is, is taking a joint that I pick every week that I feel is hot. And so I don't really give my opinion on it. I think I just try to bring new music to the people and let them decide because it's all interpretational. You know, everybody has different thoughts. And one thing about social media, you can have, you can have Jesus Christ himself post about I am coming... My return will be this Thursday. And folks will be light, lighting them up on social media now for it. Like, there is no one way. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you do, everybody has their thoughts that's going to be con contradicting to what the other person is saying. So, that's the thing with music. Like, I just put it out there for the people to decide. Like, if you think it's hot, you know, show the cast love. If not, let them know because you might be, you're helping them right. by putting energy into a song or a project that nobody's going to listen to anyway. Right. Um, tell me this. So how can people get a hold of, um, you know, how, uh, the radio show and, and what time does it come on and what days? And yeah. Like so our our goal um, was to kind of build like a cyber uh, syndication network. So we're currently on six different stations. Um but it can be a little bit tricky. So I'll just direct everybody now. If you go to uh, dashradio.com or you can go to your smartphone, your smartphones and download the app Dash Radio. Uh, if anybody that's not familiar with it, if you, if you are familiar with Sirius XM, it's, the setup is pretty much the same way. It's um, a network of over 60 to 70 different radio stations with different formats. Uh, there are a lot of different artists that have stations. Snoop Dogg has a station. On Dash Radio. On Dash Radio. Uh, Odd Future has a station. Um, the Isaac Hayes Estate has a station. Uh, the station that the Ann Caffeine Show airs on is called iCraft, and then that's powered by T-Boss from TLC. So it's different formats, different stations, gives you different musical feels. But the great thing about Dash is this 100% free right now. Right. You just sign up for the membership, download the app. Right. There's no ex there's no commercials doing the music. There's no pop-up ads. It's like iHeartRadio. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. How can uh people reach you, contact you and and you know, if they want to they want you to DJ a party of yeah. theirs. Or, I'm, I'm definitely with that. I, and I travel too. Like I'm currently based out of LA, but uh next month I'll be head up to the bay to do something. Um I was in Tahiti last year doing some stuff, so I'm universal. If you're listening to Amsterdam, I'll be out there in July. Yeah, open for booking. Yeah, because I got I, I got I got listeners in Italy. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. I Italy got, all day. I got listeners in Switzerland. You know what I mean. United Kingdom, yeah. um, Canada. You know what I mean. Shout out globally, man. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I'm very appreciative and. And happy and blessed that I have listeners in those areas that are checking out my podcast. And, and tell a friend. Like, he's telling these stories that people want to hear. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so well, as far as me, you can get me at all social media platforms. It's at Smooth D, but it's spelled with three O's. So it's S-M-Triple-O-T-H-D-E-E. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my website is SmoothD.com. Again, three O's. Two E's. Um, yeah, and, and you can also find it in the, in the description of this uh, episode. Uh, everything will be right there as well. Um, what's some last minute thing that you just want to tell people that you know want to you know venture out and you know just to pursue their their dreams, their passion, whatever that may be. What are some something influential that you can you know 
let them know to keep them motivated? Uh, the motivating factor is if you have a dream, never let the dream die. Like always focus, even, even from telling my story, Skip telling his story, like we, we run into those points in life where we have to put our uh, energies elsewhere from our dream. We have to support ourselves. We gotta have money. We gotta have a roof over our head. We need to make a, a solid income to sustain ourselves and our lives, but always make time for the dream. Even if it's a couple minutes a day, that can expand to a half an hour a day. It can expand to an hour a day, but never let the dream go because there's always going to be time to pr to do what makes you happy. If you're not doing what makes you happy, you can make all the money in the world on your job, but if it doesn't make you happy, right. you need something to balance that. Right. And put that into the dream. Balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. Life is a balance. So yeah. you have to learn how to balance every, you know, balance yourself, balance life. There's always black, there's always white. You know what I mean? So you have to balance, find the balance in between the median in between the both of those to be able to function uh, properly and to keep yourself sane, you know what I'm saying, in this journey and in this struggle because there will be struggle and there will be battle scars. Word. Hey, yo, New, I appreciate you for coming through. Man. Definitely, you know what I'm saying? Appreciate you for, you know, sharing your story, sharing your, your journey to people like that. And I want to uh, let everybody know to uh, stay focused. And thank you for tuning in and lounging with Skip on this episode. And stay tuned for the next episode of this podcast. And until next time, peace. Peace.